Well, 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 welcome to Shame of Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's uh, 58% coverage of a solar eclipse of a TV show, uh, Game of Thrones. My name is Doug. With me, as always, my constant companion. Inseparable. Brian, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. How about you, Douglas? Pretty, pretty good. And did you go outside and look at the sun like everybody else? I did not. I did not. Probably a smart move. Yeah, I don't believe in it. Yeah, I don't Seems either. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe we were aliens and, uh, you know, I don't believe yeah. in all that lizard people. All these Zinu told me to stay inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, not uh, at all uh, into that crap. Uh, I will say, though, uh, it was fun uh, seeing all, like, the uh, traffic apocalypse signs and everybody saying, you know, do not pull off the side of the road and... You know, I guess they were expecting everybody to like just pull outside of the road and or the cars to just stop in the middle of uh, the highway and everybody get out and just stare at the sun like it's a spiritual experience. Yeah, and it, it, it's kind of neat. Just well, I was in an area that wasn't going to have significant coverage. You had to have glasses. And next next one, I think, is 2024, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I might might take a vacation up to a, a zone of totality or whatever the hell. Yeah, I'll just you watch know, some videos. I'll watch YouTube tonight. Yeah, after this. all right. All right, so uh, another uh, you know once in a lifetime uh, situation was this episode. Uh, we're talking about season seven, episode was it six? Yes, sounds all right. Uh, and that is called Beyond the Wall. And this was a reasonably bonkers episode. Would you agree? Yes, I I enjoyed it, but goddamn, the the logic is just out the door. I mean, it's out the door, down the street. It's never coming back. Um, you know, if you can suspend disbelief and get through it, this is a hell of a fun episode. Uh, most of it, at least, um, the Aria stuff and Sansa stuff continues to befuddle me, but otherwise, uh, really enjoyable. I liked it. Yeah, I I hate to repeat the same shit every week, but last week it was the same thing. Where like I I loved it, but I had serious problems with it. So it's very it's very uneven. Like I don't know how to feel. I'm overall positive. I like I, I like I said, I've turned my brain off, and I suggest everybody do that too. Because if you're complaining about jetpacking and people being you know traversing you know thousands of miles within ten minutes of the TV show, get over that shit. Because I think it's only going to get worse from here. So. Uh, if you're yeah. having a problem with it now, that you're in for some hurting. Um, but yeah, yeah and the, the thing is, the, the leaps in time wasn't even like the dumbest stuff in the episode. <laughs> oh, we'll get to the dumbest part of the episode for me. Yeah. Like I, I was on board until one moment um, towards the end of the episode, and, and I'm sure uh, we'll get into it. But um, yeah. yeah, overall enjoyable. I mean, this is great entertainment. It looked pretty as fuck. Um, I'll go off about the scenery. Um, you know, I, I had a problem with them shooting this thing in Iceland, uh, in like season two, uh, because all these people North of the wall worship the old gods and what are the old gods? They're all faces on trees. And what did the the North, uh, beyond the wall have nothing, no trees anywhere. So yeah, that was a problem for me. But, uh, in this episode, it looked fucking gorgeous. There were like just, you know, waterfalls in the distant background and like, I don't know. Like everything was picturesque. Uh, I don't know. It was just a great looking, great looking show. Um, so production value, regardless of what the showrunners do, stunts, special effects, uh, even the uh, locations and how this is shot is just uh, exceptional. So yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's uh, Thelma Louise. Let's jump off the cliff. Um, 
So we go uh, weird transition right off the bat. Start the episode. Uh, so the camera flies over the map table in uh, Dragonstone, the you know table of Westeros. And as it gets to the wall and continues to go north, we transition to John and his band of merry men as they trudge around, um, you know, the desolate waste that is the north uh, beyond the wall. And I guess Gen- Gendry's having a tough time of it with the cold. Tormund gives him shit, makes fun of him, and, uh, you know, casually jokes about forcibly sodomizing him, which is hilarious. Uh, Tormund and John get to chat, and... It- and this is the first of many, this guy gets to chat with that guy uh, in kind of like a weird dance situation. So Tormund and, Ch- uh, and John are chatting. They talk about Mace and how he, w- or Mance rather, uh, Mance Raider, uh, former King Beyond the Wall, and how he would, wouldn't bend the knee. And Tormund laments about how many lives would have been saved if he would have just swallowed his pride. That's foreshadowing for later the episode. Uh, later, Gendry gets to talk with his... Uh, you know, and his dancing partner at the moment, which is the Brotherhood. So Thoris and Beric, he's giving them shit about being sold uh, to Melisandre. And he's relating what happened. Uh, and the Hound, you know, gives him shit for getting naked with a lady and him complaining about it and how he almost died but didn't. And then he uses the word whinging. He says, you're whinging. Uh, and I guess that's a British word meaning pissing and moaning. I don't know. It's yeah. Very similar to minge. So whinge, minge. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We need some <laughs> more phonically different uh, British curse words, I think. Uh, anyway, later, still, John and Jorah now get to chat, and they're talking about their dads. Um, you know, uh, John's talking about how great uh, Gior Mormon was, and um, they talk about how honorable his dad was, and Jorah's like, hey, your dad almost killed me. And he's like, I gl- I'm glad he didn't. And then John has this, uh, John and Jorah have this subtle moment or this uh, intimate moment where John offers to give Longclaw uh, the Mormont family sword that was reborn uh, uh, with a wolf's head, but originally, I guess, had a bear penis uh, on the hilt. I don't know <laughs> what the hilt looks like before. But anyway, John tries to give uh, Jorah back his family sword, and Jorah politely refuses, kind of like a member of a somebody who's in recovery, rather, uh, taking ownership of how shameful his behavior was and how he says he doesn't deserve to have the sword, he's forfeit his right to inherit it. And then Jorah wishes John uh, good fortune and that he's able to pass it on to his sons, which maybe John procreating is more foreshadowing. Um, yeah, so basically that's that's the first scene. We're doing a lot of this. Everybody's chit-chatting as they plot along on this stupid fucking plan to go grab a zombie. So I like this uh, scene a lot. I really enjoyed the, the shot showing all the desolation, although it is odd, of course, that there's no trees around, as you mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, this was just a lot of fun, I thought. And I did like all these characters meeting each other and kind of feeling each other out. Um, also, uh, yeah, yeah. So, And I also like the uh, Jorah Mormont particular part with regard to the sword. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is, all this is couched in probably the worst plan that's ever been conceived of. So yeah, it still yeah. was kind of distracting to me. But I, again, I, I I would watch this all day long. I mean, this this was great. Yeah, like, it, it, I agree with you 100% because, like, I saw it and I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. They're just, they're just going through each, um, you know, pairing, each possible pairing and saying, hey, don't you, you want to see these guys talk? Don't you want to see these guys talk? And I was like, God damn it, this is so obvious. But yes, I want to see these guys talk, so it's fine. <laughs> I was about to say the exact same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do want to see those guys talk. So great, yeah. thank you. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, the whole Jorah thing, uh, not wanting the sword, I feel like that was cheesy, but I bought it too because Jorah almost seems like he's like a a, a monk now, like he's into Buddhism and he's kind of like just accepted who he is and, and his past. And he, yeah. yeah, and he's just like, listen, you know, that's not me. You know, I can never go back. Um, he's just accepted a lot and I, I like the direction the character is going, so I, I'm not going to question it too much. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, anything? Oh, um, do you think there's any foreshadowing? With, well, it doesn't matter. Think John's gonna have babies? Uh, th- probably be because we. Um, and actually, this was something I was going to bring up later. Is you know in the in the show they've only um, there was the scene in the first episode where after uh, Missouri or whatever the hell that lady's name was. It's Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, when she attempted to <laughs> deliver Danny's baby, I think there was like kind of a throwaway line that Danny would never have kids again. Right. And they kind of like glossed over that, whereas in the books, I think she, she – every time she discusses how the dragons are her children, she says something about how she can't have children any longer. So they hit that point a lot harder in the book. So I'm guessing that uh, we are probably headed that way of a Danny and John baby eventually. Yeah, and we I think we talked about it on this podcast before how in the books, at least in uh, book five, Dance of Dragons, towards the end, she's bleeding out of that area, and people are guessing that is out of her, you know what, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, people are saying she might be having her first period in a long time, so uh, possibly that is indicating that she might be able to have uh, kids at this point. Yeah, I, I, I read somewhere that surmised that, that that was an abandoned plot line by D&D, and now that they're back to this point, uh, it's probably going to happen just because it's such great fan service. And it's, I mean, realistically, it seems like nine-tenths of what we're getting now is, is fan service. Yeah, so. and it's and that's the thing is, it's candy, it's disposable, um, it's, it's 80s pop music, and I like it, so whatever. I mean, yeah. it's compared to like how bad the show has been in the past... This is all right with me. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fun. It's not nothing's that bad. So, okay. All right. So next we go back to Winterfell and Arya and Sansa. Sansa remembering the good Sansa. old days. Yeah, uh, Arya tells a long story about being able to shoot arrows. Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> then she tells Sansa she helped that Sansa helped kill her father and reveals that she has the note that's uh, that Sansa sent to uh, Rob. She reads the entire note and. Uh, of course, Sansa pleads that she was forced to do it. She defends her actions. She was a stupid little girl. Arya then says that before she kills, uh, before serving the Lannisters, she'd rather be killed, which is absolute horseshit because she did serve Tywin yeah. Lannister he served, as a cop. literally with food, yeah. like served him like a uh, wait- yes. waitress at Applebee's. Yeah, complete bullshit. Uh, Arya then remembers, uh, re- tells Sansa that she was there for the beheading, and of course. If you recall, Sansa was incredibly upset when Joffrey just changed the plan out of nowhere and right. called an audible. So um, then Sansa turns that back on Arya because Arya didn't do anything. Of course, she was like a 10 or 11 or however year old girl and was grabbed by um, that dude. I forget his name and taken right out of there. But anyways, uh, I couldn't pull it. So keep going. Yeah. So Sansa then turns it back on Arya, and she's been there helping the family by regaining Winterfell. She's been through her own trials and tribulations while Arya was just off training. So then they discuss what Arya will do with the letter. Arya says uh, she's not sure yet, but conveys uh, that the Northmen would not like it, especially with Jon gone. 
so um yeah so that that's kind of it uh ends with um Arya kind of stomping out of there so i don't know this is all kind of stupid yeah i hate this whole thing uh we've talked about it i don't i don't like this uh scenario they're setting up uh aria i feel like has no defined personality she's been oscillating between a psychopath starting to warm up and now she's immediately weird cold and aggressive to sansa um so i hate this whole thing but the one thing i will say that i like um is that if we finally have these two characters catching up and talking about what's happened to them, we've talked about this before, how this kind of like happens off screen, like when Sansa and John reunite, they don't really, you know, we didn't get a conversation where John's like, yeah, and then they stabbed me, and I, you know, it was just darkness for a long time, and then I woke up. <laughs> like, we didn't get any of this catching up, so I, I guess I'm, I'm thankful for the catching up. Uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm just thinking I hate this whole subplot that they have with Arya. But they're still be they're still being completely obtuse about catching up. I mean, they're they're saying bad things happen to them both, but they don't really say what they've done or what happened to them. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't even think they're catching up. And you know, they I think a lot of people, the fans, have um, surmised that this is some sort of double move on to to get Littlefinger. I mean, it might be from Arya's perspective, but Sansa sure as shit doesn't seem like she is involved in any kind of play against uh, Littlefinger. Yeah. As he's, this kind of scene would confirm. And I I don't I, I mean I I I got a feeling that they're going to have a reveal where Arya says what she's been doing this whole time. Um uh, but I'm I'm already leaning towards I'm not going to buy it because a lot of this is dog shit. So I uh, we'll get I guess we'll, we could get into it later, but um there's only there's only two ways this is gonna work out. Uh, Sansa is going to get killed by Arya, or Arya is gonna be killed by Sansa's somebody. With Brienne gone, I don't think that's gonna happen. Or they're gonna figure it out and they're gonna kill Littlefinger and figure out he was behind this whole thing, uh, which I would have thought would have been a slam dunk thing two episodes ago. But now I'm not so sure. Um, yeah, and the Littlefinger thing makes sense in the context of Arya could then use Littlefinger's face to go down and kill Cersei. Well, that, but that's where I'm I going. I don't think that's poetic enough. Okay, so I, I, I was going to say this till the end where we're, um, mm-hmm. where they're going. Uh, it looks like everybody's getting together for the stupid armistice uh, meeting. Um, and I feel like it's going to get fucked up by something. And one of my top um, people to fuck it up would be Arya leaving Winterfell because the way it ends between Sansa and her at the end of this episode makes it seem like she's like doesn't trust Sansa but really she has no reason to stick around so I could see her well, saying fuck this and going down south and trying to um, kill Cersei well, or something I don't think that she doesn't trust Sansa because she's afraid that she will usurp Jon's role as the king of the north but Jon's going to be back soon enough as made apparent in the preview so well, does he go that, back to Winterfell, or does he just fucking say, oh, I'm going to go right from wherever the fuck he was, Eastwatch, right down to oh, King's Landing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for, for whatever reason in my head, I thought that he'd gone home, but I guess not. Yeah, uh, it... I don't know. And um, so I didn't even see... Like, I was listening to other podcasts last week that recapped last week's episode after we recorded ours, and I found a few saying that, oh, they're planting the seeds for Arya to kill Sansa. And I'm like, oh my god, that's... I didn't see that at all, but that seems like what the show is at least trying to hint at. Um, 
I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think so either. Based on the the last scene, like if Aru is gonna kill Sansa, it would have happened this scene or this episode because this is the, you know, the second penultimate, you know, uh, season finale kind of episode. So usually when all sorts of shock and awe happen, uh, so if they were gonna do it, they would have done it this episode. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Now that the the show is largely in the hands of D and don't see how they have fan favorite kill fan favorite. Um, I know they like to shock, but that that's that's a bridge too far. I think. Agreed. All right. Uh, All right. So we go back up north, and we get uh, this time the Hound and Tormund talking together. Together, and you know, um, you know, a couple of Amongs, uh, uh, you know, alpha males of the group, uh, actually talking, uh, just being assholes to each other. Uh, Tormund's kind of like oblivious. Uh, he learns a new word for cock. He learns dick. Uh, and he mentions his longing for Brienne, um, and the Hound is still sore that he got his ass kicked by her, so there's a nice back and forth between them. Later we get uh, John talking to Beric, and the two reanimated corpses are jabbering about the Red God and their purpose by being resurrected. John's fr- frustrated because he doesn't have all the answers, uh, and frankly, so is the audience. Uh, Beric, <laughs> you know, then gives the speech that we heard in the preview for uh, this episode last week. And how death is the enemy, it's the only enemy, and it always wins, but you have to find it, fight it off as long as possible. Uh, and John's like, oh, I guess we disagree a lot, but uh, we're reunited in this, uh, trying to defeat this common, terrible enemy, uh, and I guess that's enough. And then the hound spots a mountain from his vision, which he says looks like a arrowhead, I don't know. Uh, not to me. Yeah, not me either. And then he says, we're getting close, ominously. Doo-doo-doo. Yeah, the, the, the Lord of the Light stuff and the visions is frustrating because there's no sense of structure or what this means, and I, maybe that's the nature of the visions. But I just I, I hate the uh, obtuseness that is constant throughout all of the Lord of the Light nonsense. Um, yeah, even so, Bran though. That's the same thing I have with Bran yeah. and the Three Eyed Crow. I don't know. Like Bran did because nothing he, this episode. Could he have done something? I don't know. Well, I think he did, and we'll get to that later. Oh. Yeah, so, Ooh. but I, th- again, th- I hate where a show builds a plot on just not sharing information. It's just so dumb, and that's that that's part of this here, and also, of course, the Sansa and Arya stuff. Finally, we're getting out to um, more information, and they're being more open about their, about why Arya's concerned. But, yeah, it's, that, that Lord of Light just, it constantly annoys me. Yeah. Like, I you, don't know. Just look in the flames. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't, uh, yeah, I think, mean, yep. Acknowledging that there's a problem where you don't know is step one. You know what I mean? Let's let's go to step two, step three, figure this out. Um, uh, I just want rules to the magic. Anyway, did you feel uh, good about the Hound Tormund uh, scene? Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, that's that's those are two good characters to put together. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Dick. You know. I bet you do. Jesus yeah, that, Christ. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's funny in the uh, Michael Scott ironic funny kind of thing, but yeah, uh, Torment. It's funny too. Torment is, and I, I might have said this before, but his transition from earlier episodes where he was just a, a killing maniac, one of these raiders beyond the wall, to like a lovable now, goofball jock. Yeah, yeah, now he's a little, <laughs> little funny guy. Uh, but um, and I do the the Brienne stuff is uh, also funny. I sent you that funny gif where it was uh, him playing with action character or yeah, action figures. That was pretty great. Pretty. Stuff, yeah. And apparently, uh, 
this all started like he was doing this as a joke on set and it all it, it, it was put into the show because people around thought it was so funny like it wasn't a, an invention of D. so yeah great great I, great idea because it's totally in line with his character i would think Tormund. yeah yeah, and the fact that he's not he's not creepy about it, and the fact that she could probably kill him, right? Exactly, uh, I think he keeps to have creepy territory. So, yeah, this right. Is good. He's he's creepy about it, but it's it's more coming off as him just being like just infatuated with her and not knowing how to behave, uh, right? Just kind of in a sense of ignorance. And yes, she's not some damsel who is getting looked at by like a piece of meat. Well, she might be, but she can defend herself. We know this, so. Uh, yeah, and he's not uh, he's not going to Ramsey her. So uh, yeah. this this whole thing is uh, it's almost like a high school thing. It's perfectly uh, or middle school, perfectly reasonable to perfectly me. Perfectly understandable. Yeah, that's right. What's that guy's name? What is the name of that character? <laughs> uh, he's a he's a um, he's a psychic. Psychic, right? This from the psychic. Yeah, but hotline. you know what? We don't want to, no, <laughs> let's not go down that road. It's not a good idea. Watch Mr. Show, the greatest uh, sketch comedy series ever. So, of all time. Next, we go to Danny and Tyrion speaking. Danny thinks uh, Tanny is a, that Tyrion is a wimp and that all men in her life have tried to outdo each other. To discuss <laughs> no, it's her. like a, you're a wimp and that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They uh, they discuss her current suitor, Jon Snow, including that he's uh, too little for her, which upsets Tyrion to some extent. They then discuss the plan to meet Cersei. It is good here that I like that Tyrion knows that Cersei is laying a trap. So then uh, Danny asks what their trap is going to be, but Tyrion does not want to lay a trap because he doesn't want to start off her ruling uh, her, her, her reign on a bad note by killing people or do uh, trickery. They also don't want to uh, rule through fear. Tyrion's plan is to rely on Jaime to keep things copacetic and uh, vice versa. Tyrion's supposed to keep Danny from the impulsiveness that she's shown. She does not believe that she has been impulsive, but then uh, Tyrion raises the whole Tarly burning and how a cooling off period might have helped in that situation. Danny then accuses Tyrion of taking his family's side, which um, is part of which he agrees it's part of the key planning because they need to know the enemy. Tyrion then raises Danny's successor. He wants to do a little bit of estate planning, but uh, Danny says she's not going to do it until she has the throne. Danny then continues to insult Tyrion and reiterates that um, no crown, uh, no estate planning, and uh, that's kind of it. Yeah, and I think the most most significant part of this scene is the casual mention of democracy for the first time. This has been something that people have been thinking that Game of Thrones would end with the abolition of the uh, feudal system and some kind of uh, prototypical democracy taking over and there is already democracy in the seven kingdoms and Tyrion mentions both um, kinds we have the Night's Watch electing their uh, Lord Commander with these tokens and we right. have the King's Moot which I'm still upset they didn't take five episodes to, to, <laughs> to go through in which the Ironborn elect their king or their ruler uh, and more of like a mob uh, kind of situation but it's still democracy or a form of it. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and of course he doesn't actually have the word democracy, and he's kind of struggling to get out the concept. So that kind of tells you how what they how democracy is in that place and in general. So I hope they build a democracy with plenty of Mountain Dew for everyone. <laughs> Jesus, uh, I also want to say that Tyrion is no longer any fun. He's smart 
and he's a good actor, but the character just isn't a lot of fun and hasn't been for a while. Um, which is a shame. Yeah. But also, the Danny also sucks, though, in you're treating right. him the way that she does. So, I mean, I think that part of what you're probably think, you're feeling is that um, that there's strife between these characters constantly. And a lot of times it's Danny just being insulting. I mean, no, but I'm talking back to Marine where, where, like, Tyrion was hanging out with Grey Worm. And even oh, Tyrion's, that did suck. Yeah, even Tyrion's, like, scenes with Varys in uh, Marine weren't that in- entertaining. And he wasn't as... Lighthearted. Everything is very serious with him now since he killed his dad. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. All right. Uh so let's go back up. We're checking in on the gang once more. Time for more trudging. Yeah, some more just trudging through the snow snow. Uh you would think if somebody had to like go back from where they came, like where they are now, all the way back to the wall would take forever, right? Yeah. Anyway, so the gang is trudging through the snow, and now it's a blizzard, kind of. It's a lot of snow blowing around, and they notice a bear in the distance. Uh, Gendry says, hey, are, do bears have blue eyes? <laughs> and then it charges. Some random idiot was scouting way too far ahead, and he runs back, uh, but is murdered by a bear, uh, which somehow sideswipes him after being right behind him uh, in the previous shot. Anyway, the gang forms a circle and prepares for the bear attack. The bear comes in, killing another rando. Uh, the red priest boys, Beric and Thoros, they flame on, and their swords go on fire, which I thought was kind of cool. And everybody goes into attack mode, uh, trying to stab the bear, uh, but the bear seems quite unstoppable, swatting people this way and that, and they fly around like dolls, mauling people. Uh, the the hound is frozen in fear as the bear like approaches him, and we're not sure whether it's because the bear is a zombie bear or because the bear is fucking on fire from one of the hits from uh, the Barrack and Thoros uh, tandem. Regardless, uh, Thoros steps in and saves uh, the hound's ass, uh, but gets mauled for his trouble. And Jorah comes in out of nowhere and stabs the bear in the head or the brain, I guess, with his knife killing him again. Anyway, Thoros is in bad shape. Uh, Barrack cauterizes the wounds uh, with his flaming sword. And the hound walks away disgusted by watching somebody get burned alive by uh, the sword. Beric uh, then puts out his sword by plunging the tip of it in the snow, which I also found to be cool. Uh, and the group decides to head in the direction that the bear came from, like a bunch of fucking idiots. Yeah, I didn't understand why these guys didn't hole up. And it's in a bad storm. That is a huge disadvantage to the White Walkers or whatever right. happens around them. Uh, kind of was kind of silly, but I guess they needed to do that to make the scene happen. Uh, I wondered, um, you know, in an ironic twist, is this the bear that Tormund actually banged? Yeah, he is the uh, husband, husband of bears, I think is his uh, title. Uh, no, did he? He said in one of the earlier yeah. seasons, he told a story about, yeah, okay. That's, that's where he gets the nickname, a husband uh, to bears. And some people in the fandom... Check it out. Think he was banging a Mormont uh, lady of Bear Island, and you know how oh. like they confuse. You know, uh, it's it's almost tedious in the books that they you know in conflate the uh, sigil of the houses with people that are in the house. So mm-hmm. you know, a Mormon woman would be a bear. Huh. that's possible. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, but yeah. Uh. One thing I want to say is this, as cool as the bear looked, and it looked pretty cool, you know, I've been wanting a, a reanimated bear. 
Uh, you know, I think the first appearance of a reanimated bear in the books was the Fist of the First Men, who in the show was a very disappointing battle. We actually didn't see any of the battle. We just saw right. a bunch of zombies walking towards the Fist, and then we saw the immediate <laughs> aftermath of the battle where Sam Charlie gets reamed out for not sending the fucking Ravens. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, they put it in here, and it, it did well, but it served the function of showing a reanimated animal uh, being a zombie which slays the groundwork for what's coming later on the episode. Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, I know we've seen reanimated horses, but I don't think we've ever seen any other anima- reanimated animals. Uh, the bear I thought was pretty badass too, but the the fight itself seemed kind of poorly choreographed. Yeah, I couldn't um, tell what was going on or who was where. Yes, no exactly. That of, was a, no sense of direction. That was a problem yeah. this episode. Yeah, the, the, I mean, Thoros... It gets chopped while there's all these people. I mean, what a dozen people standing nearby. Nobody's hitting him. Um, yeah, you think so, you could stab it in the ass? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Polar bears are the kick like horses or something, but you would think you could do that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, also, it's it's concerning that they lost their healer. You know, usually you want to protect your healer when you're out. Yeah, in, a, in any RPG raid. Yeah. So, have you ever seen? Uh, this is a question I had. So, have you ever seen an explanation for how the flaming sword works? Nope. Uh, no. In the uh, books, Thora says he had wildfire or or something like that put on the flames. But here it appears like they run their hands up the sword, uh, and that would make sense if their blood was on fire. And I can understand maybe Barak doing it because he is kind of like a reanimated like magical being. But right. Thoros can do it too, and he they just kind of like rub their hands up the flames. And and it's frustrating because I want to know more because why can't everybody have flaming swords? Like, that would be right. the first thing you ask because we know how flammable these zombies are, right? Like, it, it, the bear caught on fire when Bor- uh, Beric is fighting uh, later. He hits people with the sword and they immediately catch on fire. Um, it's frustrating because it's another introductory introduction to magic. But at the same time, I did like how casual it was. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, it, it was just like no big deal. I'm just gonna set it's my like sword. Like cocking fire. a gun, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like so, that part of it, but I was frustrated by the lack of explanation how it works. Agreed. All right, so next we go back to Winterfell, where uh, Sansa's meeting was Stinkfinger. Littlefinger says he doesn't know how uh, she got the how Arya got the note. Sansa then worries that the twenty thousand soldiers that she has will abandon her. The uh, men pledge to John, but not to her, and they're starting to become fickle. Littlefinger then begins working as weasel magic. Uh, He doesn't think that Arya would betray her, but she may if Sansa tries to take uh, power from John. Littlefinger then brings up Brienne and says that Brienne may be able to to help, and kind of ends there. It's so obvious he's up to something, and she's being duped again. It's very frustrating that she hasn't learned her lessons despite many proclamations that she knows how to handle herself and so on and so forth. Once again, I hate this whole I hate this whole yeah. storyline. I want nothing to do with it. Um, but yeah, Littlefinger recommending Brienne, I guess because Brienne uh, held her own against Arya when they were sparring in the yard. Well, I was kind of thinking about Brienne uh, from the perspective of she was with with Sansa when they met Littlefinger at Old Town right after all the Bolton stuff went down. So. So she will actually stand up as an advocate and would probably tell Sansa, and it kind of does later that you you need need to get your head right. Instead, uh, I mean he he'll get she'll get in the way of Littlefinger manipulating 
Sansa, so Littlefinger's got to get her out of there. Uh, yeah, um, that's what I, uh, when we get to it later, that's what I wrote. I was like, is this, because Sansa, spoiler alert, sends Brienne away, you gotta think, is that what Littlefinger wanted all along? I, I mean, I think it 100% is, yeah. Uh, because then it's it's just, he and he's done this before, he gets rid of people who influence other people, and eventually it's just him, so what option do they have? Like, for instance, uh, Sweet Robin, you know? You mean the tit sucker? Yeah, that's our boy. I want this guy to make a triumphant return. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who, uh, he's the third dragon rider. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we get even more trudging up north. Uh, you know, the wounded Thoros and Jorah get a chance to talk. It's their turn in the, uh, you know, skip to my loo kind of uh, a pairing off dance that we're doing here. And Jorah says um, that Thoros was a hero of his when he was younger and how he couldn't believe how he charged over the breach um, to take Pike during the Greyjoy Rebellion. And um, Thoros plays it down just saying he was uh, too drunk to remember the whole thing. Um, And then we get Tormund telling everybody to shut the fuck up. And they spy a white walker leading about a dozen whites through a gorge below. I guess they're scouts. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, the gang sets up an elaborate, clever trap involving lighting a fire. The White Walker uh, finds it and is confused by it, and then the gang rushes in and starts to kick ass. Uh, John takes on the White Walker because I guess he has the Valyrian Seal's uh, sword. He knows what to do. Um, and everybody else is struggling with their whites kicking ass to certain uh, degrees. Uh... When John defeats the White Walker, however, the other Whites all crumble to the ground as if puppets who have had their strings cut, uh, all but one zombie who is conf- confused and timid for some reason. That's really weird. Anyway, Tormund decides to throw his axe down and punch it in the face. Uh, it goes down and the other men struggle to, to subdue it, uh, but not before the White lets out a long, piercing shriek, and the camera does that thing where it keeps pulling back while we hear the sound, indicating that the sound is traveling a great distance. Um, and then there's a rumbling like thunder, and John looks around, and there's that same gray mist that we had from Hardhome in the distance, uh, I guess um, uh, alluding to White Walkers about to descend. And John tells Gendry to hightail it back to the wall uh, to Eastwatch uh, and send Danny a raven. Tormund tells him not to take his ham- hammer because it'll slow his ass down, so he gives it up. The rest of the guys sprint away trying to find refuge as the Hordes of the Dead start to uh, chase them. And they end up uh, on a frozen lake and on a rock and the lake starts to crack and the Army of the Dead circle them. Uh, but the advance of the zombies is held off by the frozen lake being broken, I guess, the whole way around. I don't know. So our heroes are safe for the time being. Yeah, this was odd to me. <clears throat> I didn't understand why there's a just a troop of these whites walking around with a limited number. Doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Um, so, I mean, there's one theory out there that this entire thing has been orchestrated by the Night's King just so that he can obtain a dragon. Okay, let's let's okay, uh, let's say this is always a theory that. Yeah. Somebody in the show knows exactly, even if it looks like they're being a fucking complete dumbass, they're a mastermind. So we don't ever have right. to speak of it again because I'm sick of that theory. 
that it's a repetitive theory. Every time any th- anybody does anything, it's like, oh, Cersei knows, you know, Cersei's letting herself get in, uh, whatever beaten up. I don't know. It's it's uh, tedious. I I hate it. Sorry to interrupt you, and I I don't mean to put that venom on you. No, but I mean I think it's the only thing that makes sense. I don't. I don't have we ever seen just like a limited number of the show doesn't make sense around? anymore. The show does not make sense no. anymore. You can say it's a scouting party, but why would they need? Uh, presumably, if they're all being controlled by, you know, a White Walker, he doesn't have to be with him. Like, like we've seen yeah. zombies south of the wall get up and try to kill people. You know, we t- we alluded to that thing at Castle Black that happened in season one or two, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So that didn't make sense. It was kind of distracting. Um, and also, also didn't make sense why that one specific zo- uh, White didn't die when yep. the yeah why the White Walker was killed. But this also scene, this race to me, why the fuck are these clowns not covered in fire and dragon glass? I don't understand. They just they had this big deal about the dragon glass. Right. I brought that up last episode when they left Dragonstone yeah. without like fashioning uh dragon glass weapons. Everybody should have dragon glass glass weapons. At least one person with a dragon glass bow and arrow set to maybe yes. shoot some of these goddamn white walkers from a mile away or whatever it is. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been as distracting if they didn't just set up the fact that they were, Danny was living on a mountain of dragon glass. Hey, this is a huge deal. John knows how important it is, but seemingly <laughs> this is no really important. Person when, on yeah. dragon glass. This is really important when fighting the White Walkers and the Army of the Dead. Hey, let's go up and uh, see if we can get some dead people from the, where the Army of the Dead are. Uh, don't worry about the dragon glass, though. Yeah, it's a glaring fucking thing that that should have been addressed. Once again, yes, you don't have to solve these problems beautifully just at least try to uh answer them i mean yeah just it's a simple line we've mined it all but haven't had time to make to it refine it that's it yeah one Done. line and you, you'd solve that we don't have time to make it into weapons yeah there's no yeah, time and so and then also they know that fire is like the only thing that we'll, we'll talk about the killing later in the episode but the uh i don't know why they don't have, all have fire on them as well yep uh, you know um that's why I mentioned White Bear. Can you rub your hand on my sword too? And that yeah. guy's sword, and that guy's sword, and that guy's sword. Yeah, but I don't think as the show in the later fight, I don't think it really makes a damn difference that the, the whites are falling like men, which uh, doesn't didn't yeah, seem like it the, didn't make yeah. any sense at all, right? Uh, I did like seeing Gendry run. He ran very with very, like very stiff arms. Yeah. <laughs> very odd pace. I, I, he's definitely going to get p- compared to Forrest Gump uh, if he yes. hasn't already. Uh, you yep. you keep up on the memes on Monday. I try to avoid stuff. Um, yeah. Also, I I mean the uh, whole whites not being able to go through water. I still don't understand the the logic there um, because they could have easily made like a zombie a bridge. bridge. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like ants do. Uh, yep. But then also they're they're in snow constantly, and snow is just uh, condensed condensed water. Like what? I, I I don't know. Um, just seems silly, but I I, I kind of understand that D and D had to figure out how to make this work, and um, I'm I don't know if this. I, I'm guessing that the resurrected dragon was on uh, Jordan. Whoa, whoa! Martin's, spoiler alert. Yeah, list of things that has to happen in the show, or list of big points. So right. maybe they're just cutting these things to just figure out. I mean, this is a good. What they did was a good way to get to what they wanted to do, but. There are a lot of leaps of logic, and these these ones are particularly egregious. Yeah, um, I'm still I'm I'm still bought in. I've still kept my head off, and I'm suspension of disbelief, just saying, hey, mm-hmm. this is a crazy you know 
fan fiction version, uh, and it's kind of fun, so I'm willing to forgive it. And up until this point, I'm still all in. Uh, yeah, but it's it is ridiculous that you know the ice cracks. First of all, the zombies start encircling them um, before the ice cracks. Like they all like spread out. Yeah. Why? I don't know. The movement of all the whites in this episode made little sense. Uh, very little sense. And the and the ice cracks uniformly all the way around them. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Fine. Turn um, it off. Yep. Turn it off. But I want to say, going back to the part where the one white walker dies and the other ones, all of them except for one, go down. So uh, this is another confirmed fan theory. And this goes back with... So, obviously, these things are being kind of remote piloted, almost warged. Um, so, I got to go off on a little bit of a tangent. It's not a rant, but are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, there's a YouTuber named Preston Jacobs. Um, he's fun because he has a lot of crazy-ass theories. Um, you know, the guys at Bald Move hate on him all the time, but I will tell you that uh, and he, his a lot of his theories are crazy, and it just seems like he's making up stuff to just to fill time and come up with videos but his greater point is that you can learn a lot about an artist especially a writer by reading his other works uh and i believe that 100 percent. you know because artists of all types cannibalize their own work so george r. r martin has um a few books out there one of them is called the meat house man it's a it's a short story he's a short story writer so if you look that up it's a great read uh but it, basically it's about uh people in this, you know, future slash other planets, uh, they can, with the help of technology, remote pilot corpses. So it's kind of got that kind of uh, you're part of the machine matrix thing going on where they hire this poor blue-collar schlob uh, to operate, um, you know, basically a big a machine. And he's not only operating his machine, he's operating five other machines because he's piloting five other corpses. So hmm. it's it's a very similar kind of setup here. Um but you got to think why was that one guy still alive? Number 1. You got to think he was turned by turned or being piloted by the Night King or just another white, I guess, or white walker. With the the guy who was the the white walker that was killed? No, the white that was standing around I mean, not yeah, attacking so. anybody. What the fuck yeah. was that, too? He, like, he wasn't a mindless zombie. Like, everything we've seen the white the zombies do is they just attack. They're kind of mindless. This one actually had like a sense of self preservation and was looking around, confused and afraid. Like that didn't yeah, make any precise. sense to me at all. That, yep, I agree with you there. So I don't know, man. A lot of uh, st- this is where it starts to break down a little bit. A little bit, yeah. A lot of it, but it's fine. Once again, I'm still bought in. So, mm-hmm. all right, what happens next? All right, so uh, let's see. We get a shot, a few shots of Gedry running, and uh, he's nearing the wall. While there's uh, more and more ominous shots of the gang stuck on the rocks, surrounded by whites. Back to Gedry, falling just a few feet from the uh, the wall when Davos pulls him to safety, and Gedry says that they need to send the Raven. So we go back to the rock where the hand uh, kicks their little wiggly friend. We learn that Thoros is dead. The hound offers his condolences and takes his alcohol to drink. But John says they needed to burn the body, thanks, and they're able to do so thanks to Barrick's flame sword, which is, I forget who said it, but we somebody said, we, how do we get fire to burn him? 
You just saw fucking Peric light his sword on fire twice <laughs> in this episode, you fucking idiot. Uh, so then Jorah approaches John and says it will freeze soon. The lake will freeze soon, as will they. They then discuss going after the uh, main White Walkers, but John says that they it's more important that they take Mr. Wiggles home to show Cersei. Beric then waxes poetically about uh, being bringing back the dead, and there's a reason for them being be brought back from the dead, as we discussed earlier, which is not seems does not seem to be grounded in reality at all. Okay, so let's start with Gendry running forever. It reminded me of like the Lord of the Rings thing, uh, where I can't Why remember. You no, that was during. Nope. Uh, it was after the uh, the fellowship got broken up. Uh, Sean Bean died, and uh, like uh, Aragorn and the elf and the dwarf ran across these plains for three days and three nights. Oh uh, yeah, trying to find. I think it was Pippin, one of the uh, hobbits. I don't remember, but it was just like he just ran and ran and ran and ran. <laughs> and I remember reading it, and I read the Lord of the Rings. You know, I don't know. I was still in high school, I guess, and I was like, "Wow, this is pretty inspirational." It makes me <laughs> made me feel like running for three days is something anybody could ever do for any reason <laughs> and you can't especially when you're cold yeah, as fuck it's <laughs> ultra marathons yeah and those people train for it it's not just this guy who's just been standing in one place Gendry's the first person to combine the <laughs> i did a rod and the in an ultra marathon uh anyway that was kind of funny but walk me through and the biggest part i had with this scene in particular walk me through john's logic so somebody jorah i think says uh, hey, if we kill the White Walkers, uh, you know, the Whites will die, so we should go for them and we might have a chance to escape. And John's like, no, we need to capture this one so we can take it back so that Danny and Cersei can help us kill the White Walkers. But if you just kill the White Walkers, you don't have to do this bullshit with the fucking zombie. Yep. Yep. It's so frustrating. Yeah, and why don't they have, like, uh, dragon glass throwing stars right now? Or I mean, uh, yeah. It's- Darts. Anything. So frustrating um, because it seems like dragon glass. As soon as it touches the enemy, then they die. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. The logic, the the breakdown of logic here is just so glaring. And it, this that that was. An, I mean, I still was on board with the episode, but I was just like, God, this is so stupid. It's almost like watching like a Michael Bay movie, where yeah. the spectacle is incredible, but the, the right. actual substance is just garbage. I, so. I can't watch the Transformers movies. I have a friend who like appreciates um, Michael Bay movies for the action, and I just can't do it without any kind of uh, buy-in or plot or logic. Yeah, it's just it's it's just you know paper it's snacks. Yeah, it's snacks. That piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. He's and, stupid. Anyway, one other thing I want to say is. <laughs> Beric, for some reason, knows an awful lot about the goddamn Night King because he's like, hey, if you just kill that motherfucker, the rest will fall. Like, how do you know that, you you fucking asshole? Because they just saw that. I mean, I think it's – no, I, I think that's logical because oh, they just my. saw it with the earlier Night – Right, earlier. but there were like – there's like five or six of them. Why is he going to – is yeah, he like, hey, you killed the who, guy in charge? He would know who the Night King was out of all those people, even though he has the coolest hat. I guess so. And this is the first time we've noticed the Night King being there? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, minor nitpick compared to all the other weird bullshit that's going on. So, very true. All right, what next? <sighs> okay, so back at Winterfell, Sans is getting uh, a raven, inviting her down to King's Landing for the big uh, Cersei Danny uh, love fest armistice meeting. Um, Sans is like, "Fuck that! I'm not going down there." Brienne, you go. <laughs> uh, Brienne's um, 
not all about it, uh, but eventually uh, Sansa shouts her down and tells her to do what she's told. And uh, I guess bucking Littlefinger's advice, or as we talked about, falling into Littlefinger's trap, she sends Brienne away, uh, one of her few allies um, up there when she's in this tiff with Arya. So. I don't have much to say about this. It's just still just garbage, knowing what a rube she is um, and how it doesn't seem like there's anything behind it other than maybe Arya outwitting everyone, but just garbage. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, um, but I don't care. At least Brienne has something to do. Yeah, that's true. She hasn't done anything in two seasons, so <clears throat> great. She's got yeah. a mission. Not much to say, right? right? Yeah, no, no, let's just move on. Uh, Danny, uh, we go to Danny. She's back at Dragonstone. She approaches the dragons while Tyrion tells her to stay home and ignore the pleas from the north. He uh, pleads tearfully that do nothing or all is lost. She's the only one who could smash the wheel. Danny says, no way, Jorge, and then flies off with her three dragons. I can't tell any of these fucking dragons apart. No, I can't either. They've, they've muted the colors on the other two. Or we haven't gotten a close and look close look at the other two. They're always just flying in the background. The only reason we know Drogo, uh, or Drogon, whatever his name is, um, is that he's the one that Danny's riding on. And that's right. the only thing that makes him identifiable. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I don't know who's who. Yep. Uh, also, people are bitching online. Uh, I wasn't able to avoid this. Uh, about Danny's wardrobe change, she's like, "I've got my snowy weather gear on now. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really care. Who, there's so many other things to be upset about with this episode." Um, yeah, that's the last thing. I yeah, exactly. About. I was like, "Why? Are you, yeah, you're paying attention to this." Yeah. Uh, whatever. Who cares? She dressed appropriately. What's the problem? I agree. Um, I guess we'll get to it when uh, spoiler alert: the dragon dies. But I feel like. They should have had one of the dragon that dies, it means something to us. Like, it doesn't mean anything to us because we don't know any of these dragons apart. We just, it means something to us because it makes Danny sad. And we, some of us like Danny. But if, like, if John would have bonded with one of these dragons or Tyrion would have bonded with one of these dragons or somebody would have had a little bit of identity, I think this would have hit a little bit harder. Um, that they're building up to. I don't know how you give the dragons personalities. Um, you don't, but, but through the people, through other characters. Like I said, yeah. if Tyrion formed a bond with one of them and it died, you'd feel bad because you felt bad for Tyrion. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that, that could have been done. Uh, but um, otherwise, but it, not much is going on. Wow. No, but it is uh, it, it's marked that this uh, confirms the death of the... Uh, well, actually, we'll get to that later. So let's go ahead. All right, yeah, I think I know where you're going. Okay, so uh, it looks like a day and a night has uh, passed at this point, and Sander Clegane's just bored, so he starts to throw a rock at one of the zombies in the distance, um, and he aggravates them enough to get them to attack. And I'm guessing, and there was some confusion about this, on the second watch it made a little bit more sense that uh, the zombies started going forward because the water had refrozen, and they were aware of that by the rock falling short of where the zombie was and not falling into the water. I mean, I think that's what the point was, but that was the point. I didn't catch that on the first watch. I just thought it was like, he pissed them off and now they're coming. No, no, that that's what the point was, but I don't think it was well executed because it was just a little rock. I mean, it's not like 
that shouldn't have signaled that, hey, this this ice is refrozen over enough to go ahead and cross it. Right, and then maybe it's frozen enough to let the, you know, Ray Harryhausen skeletons come over, but not the guys that were dead within the past couple months that have some, you know, that might still be a buck 25, um, right. you know. Uh, but whatever. So, uh, but I did. I thought that was a pretty cool shot, though, of the first, uh, the first, the first uh, white with half oh, his yeah. leg missing. Half his leg missing. missing. He's dragging the sword along yeah. the ice. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So now Clegane did it. He <laughs> kicked the hornet's nest, and now the horde of zombies start to trickle in. They don't all rush, so it's like one or two at a time. So I don't know what's happening here, as far as a. Uh, now that we know these things are being remote controlled by a white walker Mm -hmm. uh anyway so they start trickling in and everybody reds readies up jorah has like two little knives which i found weird um (laughs) (laughs) two little knives i guess he's you know he's used a sword before uh when he killed that um dothraki guy in the first season but whatever i don't care well the one thing you don't want to do is have distance between you and your zombie attack absolutely not (laughs) uh yeah and barrack sets his sword on fire everybody readies up and here we go. Uh, Clegane starts starts the. He says something like, "Fuck this, let's do it, motherfuckers." <laughs> I don't know. He starts bashing people with Gendry's uh, hammer. Um, lots of chaos. Basically, uh, the guys, the boys, are just wrecking an untold amount of zombies. And like you pointed out before, they seem to just go down uh, like men would go down with a sword hit or a bash of a hammer. And everything before this has led us to believe that they just keep coming regardless of whether they were they don't feel injuries. Anyway, lots of close calls, lots of quick cuts. Um, one of the close calls is Tormund, which we'll get to later. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, uh, anyway, one of the zombies, which is weird, attempts to free the captured zombie that's bound up and tied, and John dispatches him, which I found was weird. Uh, it's almost like... They knew that they were trying to capture a zombie and take it south. So that's weird. We'll get to that too. Remind me to talk about that. Uh, anyway, John dispatches that guy uh, who's going after the other dead guy who's um, who's all uh, bound up. He tells everybody to fall back, which I have no idea what that means. It seems like they're on a very <laughs> tiny, tiny fucking rock, like it's tremors. Like, <laughs> let's fall back a couple inches. So they fall back. Um, and yeah, this thing with Torment happens in which Torment gets. He goes to the ground and a whole bunch of zombies descend on top of him. And in every other zombie movie we've ever seen, uh, that's when somebody gets torn apart and they see like their insides come out of them and they're like, ah, and they're alive while the zombies eat their insides or they get taken apart and you see like an arm and a leg go this way. But that doesn't happen to Tormund. Uh, Tormund uh, gets saved by the Hound who mans up, I guess, uh, there's no fire around like what's what happens with the uh polar bear from earlier so he's a hero and he saves Tormund. uh john and crew climb to the back of the rock the highest point um and you know uh one of these randos falls off the back of the rocks into a pile of zombies basically the same thing that happened to Tormund. only this guy does get torn apart uh so really weird uh inconsistency there. Anyway, we get this obligatory slow-mo scene where our hero looks around and despairs of the carnage and we saw all the other heroes. Uh we get the obligatory two heroes bump backs together and they turn around ready to kill each other and then they recognize each other. Um that's Tormund and John. And even more slow-mo as we check in on Jorah and Barrick as they all look back 
kind of worried that they're all going to die and all appears to be lost. Ah, so for, as a starting point, why weren't they like stirring the water? You know, if you keep the water moving, then ice crystals can't form. Or why didn't they take use a, the goddamn flame sword? Or why didn't they take a uh, um, you know, a hint from Sandor and start breaking the ice? Or Sandor, yeah. keep pushing. We'll hold them off. Keep pushing holes in the ice. Yeah, how yeah, how dumb are they? I don't know. <sighs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, this battle, I you know, it was kind of thrilling, but it was also way too choppy. Uh, it, I don't think it really gave you any sense of what was going on. Um, and also, it's frustrating that um, that uh, that only the randos bit it during this this thing. I mean, somebody yes. else should have died with more importance. And, and you know, there's plenty of people that could have gone that. Aren't probably aren't that necessary. I mean, right. do we? What's Torment gonna serve? I mean, I don't want to see him He's die. A fan but- f- okay, so I got to go off on Torment. Yeah. So I didn't. Th- uh, so originally, I thought everybody was gonna die except for John, uh, because yeah. that this was an allusion to the last hero who went north with his dog, which John didn't go north with Greywind because they or not Greywind, um, Ghost, because this show hates fucking direwolves. But anyway, in that story. Everybody dies except for the lone hero. So, and there were thirteen of them. So you thought they were setting up John to be that guy. So I expected everybody to die. But when Tormund started to go down, I was like, "Oh fuck! I don't want Tormund to die." Mm-hmm. And because the, you know, like you said, the show is all fan service. They didn't let him die. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of I'm kind of conflicted because there's what you want and there's what's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel well, like, there's what there's what you want, and then there's what was Game of Thrones where they would <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if anybody who ever watched the first six seasons of this saw what was going to happen in this episode, absolutely, somebody important would have died. And maybe they were trying to accomplish that through the death of Thoros, but I didn't give a shit about no, that. And, and Thoros should have died. Okay, so uh, I. I was I did I should have mentioned it earlier when uh, you covered the Thoros dying thing. I liked him dying of nature of exposure. I thought that was good because you don't see that enough. Like you know, I think the book does a good job of making you realize this is uh, medieval times and people die of like a cold and mm-hmm. starvation a lot. Um, so I like the fact that he died in an unsexy way, but at the same time, we did need somebody to die here, if not multiple somebodies, to make this. Truly tragic. To have some bite to it. Yes, yeah. to have some bite to it. The only thing, spoiler alert, that they lost was a dragon. Like, all our heroes survive. All of them. It's it's right. awful. And it's even more frustrating because, the, you know, the whole Tormund thing, how he escaped, that's so reminiscent of uh, Glenn from The Walking yeah, Dead. exactly. And so they should know, they, they should have taken that lesson from a different show and known, you can't have somebody who is obviously dead just somehow magically live through it um i mean i guess they it's just the lack of consequences now uh, it really takes me out of the show so yeah i was frustrated by this but um yeah uh but yeah whatever yeah, i'm still on the, i'm still enjoying it like but you know yeah, i can tell no, it's it candy was. you know it's yeah it's the battle scenes i thought they were choppy um you know, they th- there have been some really good single shots in the middle of battles where you just follow one guy, and the most recent one, of course, was Bronn. Bronn, he did it in the Battle of Bastards with John. you're right. Yeah. And when they, they just cut back and forth between different people, especially if some of them are people we don't know who they are. Kind of takes me out of it. Uh, again, fun, but um, pretty damn stupid. Agreed. 
Yeah. All right. So uh, next, uh, just as all looks lost, Danny and the dragons arrive to burn the zombies by the thousands. Really great shots of the dragons doing flybys, uh, just roasting people left and right. For uh, Danny then lands and uh, people are start to mount the dragon. But for some unknown reason, John decides to keep fighting instead of just getting on the dang dragon. Meanwhile, the Night King approaches with a spear, and uh, instead of throwing it at Drogon, he throws it unbelievably fast and accurate and hits Viserion, and uh, he dead. And Viserion crashes into the lake and sinks while everyone looks on horrified. Of course, this just enrages Dumbfuck John as he continues to fight away while the uh, the White Walkers gather another magic spear. Then a uh, white tackles John into the water, and Danny makes her get away as a javelin barely misses Drogon, but thankfully they're able to escape. And so that's kind of it there. Okay. So let's think about this. All right, so so Danny arrives and John goes right up to her. Danny reaches her hand down and John almost takes it, but then is like, <laughs> "Fuck it, I'm going to be the hero, the guy you were just bitching about to Tyrion a couple seasons ago that I am, and I'm going to fend off everybody or make sure everybody else gets to safety." But he didn't even need to do that. They were already. He didn't. The yeah, they were all yeah. like literally right there. Uh, hey, Danny, just have the dragon shoot flames in this direction. Uh, I don't know. Um, well, you know, uh, it's Yolt. I think is what the kids say. You only live twice. I guess. Go I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, John. John holds off the other guys, and that's fine. Uh, so let's talk about the death of the dragon. Um, so this, the death of the dragon, was one of the big spoilers from the thing that we've alluded to earlier, where the bullet points of this season were released. Oh, because I heard I, ice dragon. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hear death of a dragon. So, um, which basically this could be the same thing. We'll talk about yeah, it I later. Think so. Yeah. So what's uh, what I was alluding to earlier? This confirms uh, or disaffirms. I'm not sure what the word would be there. The uh, three-headed dragon thing is not going to happen, which is kind of disappointing, I think. Yeah, I was thinking about this before the dragon died. I was thinking about this in the beginning of the season. So uh, we were we were primed for a dragon to die with the introduction of Kyber and Scorpion. I just thought that that death would happen in King's Landing uh, right. with an assault on King's Landing. Um, but uh, the, a dragon did die by a javelin. It was just, instead of being hurled by Kyber and Scorpion, it was hurled by uh, the Night King. Uncle Rico. I could I could throw the football over them mountains over there. <laughs> um, that was from Napoleon Dynamite. Everybody go check it out from the library. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, here's the thing is, you're saying it's Viserion, but I didn't know that. I just knew it was just, one of the other ones, and I had to see that online, people talking about it today saying it was Viserion because you can't tell the other two apart it could have easily been Rhaegal the only people the only reason that people are saying it's not Rhaegal or can't be Rhaegal is that's who they think John's gonna ride oh the whole thing uh yeah going back to the three heads of the dragon so I thought about this uh there could be more dragons yeah I suppose so I mean dragons are just coming into the world I mean it was like kind of a miracle uh even George R. R. Martin's talking about how it's you know a miracle that this has happened 
But the people are talking about, uh, people theorize about Bran warging a dragon, and he's not a dragon rider. Like, if the Night King can control a dragon, you got to think that they're setting up Bran to be the Night King's kind of like counterpart, or at least in combination with Bran and Jon to take out the Night King. Um, Mm -hmm. So you think Bran could maybe warg a dragon? I don't know. Yeah, there's all kinds of possibilities now. The most likely explanation is apparently going by the wayside, so... Um, who knows at this point other than Danny controls one. Yeah, I don't know. And they still got a spare. That's all the thing yeah. is they don't need three dragons. I mean, Danny can fuck armies up with one dragon. And now that she's got a sub dragon following in behind, that's fine. You know, it's going to yeah, be a they, problem later with, with now that the Night King has a dragon. But other than that, I think Danny's fine. Well, I, but it also is, uh, the, we've talked about this before in previous episodes where they're down to this compressed uh, back and forth of the swinging of the pendulum of power. And so this is a way to now Danny is she looked unstoppable for a little while. And now she's back down to yeah. maybe less unstoppable. So they're just vacillating between these extremes so quickly um, that uh, seems kind of goofy. But, uh, yeah, I kind of get why they had to do this. So, yeah. And you and you need to fear. Uh, the Night King and the White Walkers still. Right. You know what I mean? You can't think that, oh, there's a dragon. But uh, we had that moment of, dra- of I think the the moment wasn't long enough, and I don't know how they could have dragged it out. They're trying to do this very quickly. But, you know, you're like, okay, dragons and, <laughs> you know, ice people. This should be the perfect, uh, you know, neutralizing agent. So right. the dragons come in and fucking just wreck. You think they'd wreck harder than they did against Lannister guards down south because, you know, we've already decided that the Whites are <laughs> incredibly flammable. Yes. And that the White mm-hmm. Walkers would probably be killed by dragon fire because it's so incredibly hot. I don't know. Yeah, and I did see a good explanation. Uh, it was baffling to me why uh, the Night King didn't send throw the, the spear yes. at uh, Drogon. The explanation would be that uh, Viserys or Viserion was, was in attack mode, whereas... Drogon was just picking people up, so from a defensive perspective, it would make sense to attack the one that was strafing on you, but still looks silly as shit, That's because it, if he would have done it to uh, to Drogon, then he would have killed, I mean, would have been able to kill all of the protagonists, so. Here's the thing is, uh, you fix it by having Viserion try to dive bomb the Night King, and, yeah. and that forcing his hand to throw the javelin at uh, the dragon. Yep. But I guess then, geographically, it wouldn't make sense for the dragon to fall into the lake, and they really needed that to happen for some reason. Very true. Yep. <sighs> All right. Really yeah, it quick. Sucked, sucked. It was kind of brutal. I mean, I, you know, I, I did – that one hit me a little bit more, I think, than it hit you because, again, I don't really care about the people in the show, but the animals. Well, that's what I was saying is because yeah. it's like, you know, it's like Danny's – and I, I here's my final comment, uh, and I wrote it down in my notes – I really liked how pissed John was that his girlfriend slash aunt's dog died, and that's basically what it was. Yeah, and that's why you know, you know, it's their children. It's her children, but they're almost like you know pets. It's like you know, they're. Oh, well, it's like that. Like your weird friend who has like a monitor lizard. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like your you know your weird childless friend that has a whole bunch of dogs, and yeah. they're they're really important to them. Uh, so and you also, feel like it. Yeah, go ahead. So the the other thing is, you know, the one that was killed was, of course, Viserion, which was named after her brother Viserys. So I think there's some 
level of parallel there where despite her naming her him after her brother now he's uh, uh against her which i think her brother in the uh, cold light of day was against her yeah well guess was, what Viserion yeah. Viserys was killed by a king or a cow mm-hmm. uh and Viserion is killed by the night's king yeah guess what happened to Rhaegal or Rhaegar what's that he was killed by King Robert yeah so if you're gonna make that illusion for Viserion, make the same fucking illusion for uh, Rhaegal and realize <laughs> he'll get killed by a fucking uh, king as well. So it's stupid. Uh, okay. I hate to, I, I'm sorry for the vitriol. It's not. I don't know if that's you. coincidence. I don't know if that's coincidence or if there's something to it. I saw uh, it I online it, as well. I, I try to avoid spoilers, but I see headlines. I headlines come across Twitter and Facebook and yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did like John looked very pissed. I like how he did that thing where he like looked down. And he's just like, "Fuck, I'm gonna go kill the Night's King," and he starts heading towards the Night's King. And then the Night's King goes to get another javelin, and he's like, "Go take off!" And I'm like, "Fuck it, you should have charged his ass. You should have kept going. You're because he ends up getting left behind anyway. At least get left behind in a suicidal attempt like Jamie trying to win the war in one single stroke." Yeah. I agree with you. It's frustrating. Frustrating. Mm-hmm. All right, you want to move on. Let's go. Okay, so, um, you know, Daenerys and everybody else takes off and, uh, yeah, narrowly missed the second javelin throw. John fights um, whites and falls into the water, uh, freezing to death, and the show is over. Nope. Uh, <laughs> if this show is... <laughs> Uh, anything it's consistent and guess what people can hold their breath underwater a really long time as we learned with Bron and Jamie last week so uh, most of the white walkers and whites disperse after uh, killing the dragon and Daenerys running away uh, and John pops up out of the water somehow he has enough strength to pull himself out of the water uh, and grab Longclaw and start stumbling around I don't know. I've been in a... uh, We'll get to it. Uh, Anyway, a few stragglers, uh, whites, notice him uh, and start to run towards him. But before they can get him, um, the old ball and chain arrives. That's right. Uncle Benjen comes out of nowhere, riding on a horse, swinging his fiery whatever thing around, uh, bashing... uh, White setting him on fire and saves John's ass. He quickly introduces himself, tells John to get on the horse, and tells him, "There's no time. I gotta <laughs> just go." And John, soaking wet and frozen, gallops away while Banjan stays behind and quickly gets dispatched by or rekilled uh, by the Whites. Again with this shit. Um, <laughs> two episodes in a row where someone improbably survives, impossibly survives, uh, falling into the water. I mean. John's dead. Come on. Yeah, this was the part where it got too far for me. Like, I was okay with everything up until the dragons, and once again, last minute save by Gendry running a a full marathon or two, uh, and then the raven getting to Danny really quick, and then Danny being on a dragon and getting to them. Uh, I was okay with all of this. But John falling into the water, I've fallen into just kind of cold water, and like where your muscles clench up and all your strength is just sapped. Uh, yeah, you can't pull yourself out like and then for him to be alive I don't care how far away they were even if a horse was galloping he'd have frozen to death uh, okay but the biggest fuck you was 
I was, why did Benjen need to show up? Benjen showing up raised more fucking questions than it should have answered. It was another last minute save. Uh, I'm asking myself, well, what the fuck is Benjen? We never found out. Who resurrected him? Was it the Children of the Forest? Was it the yeah, Lord of Light? Yeah, the Children of the Forest. Yeah, but they don't come out and explicitly say that. We don't get that. We don't. I thought they did. I don't know, but, you know, it, 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 it's just very loosey-goosey. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Yeah. It's just another, you know, resurrected person, and it's a, another bullshit last-minute save in a series of improbable last-minute saves. Well, so this is what I was alluding to earlier with uh, Bran, and uh, I think that this does actually have an explanation, but I don't think, once again, it was heavy-handed enough for uh, people to pick up on it. You know, when uh, the three-eyed, when, uh, when uh, what's his nuts, um, Benjen saved Mira, and uh, who else was involved in that? I think Bran as it was well. Bran, yeah. Yeah, so the three-eyed raven sent. Yeah, but sent the three-eyed him. raven was dead at this point, so you got to think Benjen has well, some kind well, of autonomy, Bran, right? Bran is the new three-eyed raven and uh, can presumably send a message if he's replaced the three-eyed raven, so maybe it was Bran who was sent the sent Benjen to go help John. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a solid explanation of what happens here. It's 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 a it's a possible explanation. I just don't know how it doesn't doesn't hold a lot of water though. Um, well, how's it leaking? Tell me that. Because once again, uh, Benjen uh, saves Bran after the Three Eyed Raven is dead. So you got to think that Benjen has some autonomy because Bran was the new Three Eyed Raven, but Bran didn't call Benjen forth to save him. I think, but I think Benjen has autonomy. I don't think that the previous three-eyed raven there was any indication that. Well, if he okay, so if he has autonomy, why would I believe that Bran sent him here and it wasn't just his own? Uh, I mean, I think that fuckery that, well, or whatever. I think my explanation for it is that uh, Benjen is not obligated to do these things, but he receives the messages and then he goes and helps people. I just think, there's, think I just think there's no evidence for that. No, I mean there would there might well it definitely happened prior with Mira and Bran. So uh, whether it happened this time, I would imagine they would put confirmation on the screen. But that's the tidy explanation for the whole thing. But it did was frustrating to me that there's no there's no time. Well, there there was just time for you to get on the horse by the by the time you fucking said that. So right, and and there is literally no reason you can't put John on the horse and yourself. It's like that. Yes, it's like that criticism of Titanic where. You know, why doesn't Leo DiCaprio try to get on the floating uh, piece of wood with the girl? Like, just attempt it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, if if you ride with the horse for a little bit, I mean, and this is once again practical things coming in, and I think I would have been fine with this if it hadn't followed a whole bunch of other bullshit that I that I was looking yes. the other way about. The, the thing John that emerging just, from the water is just set off a negative. Tone. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think it started with John emerging from the water, and then having this bullshit with Benjamin. It was just two things that were just a bridge too far. So, yeah, and you can see. I mean, you could probably imagine how somebody writing the show wanting to pay, pay fan service. Uh, hey, we should bring back Benjamin. Um, not only will have the emotional impact of him reuniting with his nephew, but then also will add to the body count. There was no where, emotional impact because John didn't I, have I, a listen, moment. I'm, I'm not arguing with him about that, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that th- that's that was likely the reason. Is that and then it also adds to the body count of potentially important people or potential people that you care about. Um, I'm not saying that that actually hit. I'm just yeah. saying I can see the rationale behind it. I, I agree because this show, uh, if anything, right now is like, hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? Yeah. You remember this? You remember yeah. this? 
It's like the Family Guy with dragons. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, That's the title of the episode. Yeah, family Guy. Subtitled. With yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So next we're back at Eastwatch. Uh, Beric says goodbye to Clegane, and we see uh, Drogon flying around the wall as Danny is standing on top of the wall, looking over. Danny's ready to leave, but. Uh, Jorah asks, or actually, she's not ready to leave. Jorah asks if she is ready to leave. She says, no, just another minute. And then she turns around to go, and coincidentally, we hear the horn noise, which indicates a manned rider arriving. And Danny's happy. Next, we're on the boat where Davos is attending to John, and Danny is able to see all of these scars that he has from his shanking. All right, let's start. So, Beric um, and Tormin are staying at Eastwatch. But Clegane and the zombie that they captured are going with Danny, presumably, right? Yeah, because we have to. Uh, has Clegane Bowl has to be set up. Yeah, and I I will chime in on Clegane Bowl at the end of this episode. Um. Yeah, all right, so Tormund and Beric are going to stay. So Beric still doesn't know what his end goal is. I imagine we'll see him again in episode or season seven or eight, yeah. whatever it is. Uh yeah, Danny waiting for John to return is just cheese ball as all cheese ball, especially when she wants to stay a little bit longer and then as soon as she goes to leave, we get the horn blast. Ugh. Yep. Uh and then for some reason John gets in frozen and instead of tending him right at Eastwatch, they presumably have to row his ass all the way out to that boat. Yeah. I mean, they just set up a scene where Tormund and uh, Beric say goodbye to the Hound, and they're showing a rowboat and an actual boat, presumably the same one that John ends up on. What What would you say, 500 feet yards off the shore? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. So anyway, so weird. They, 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 they I understand for, I guess, um, you know... Uh, I guess for for simplicity's sake, they get John to the boat before they take off his frozen clothes. It's just crazy. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. This this the whole thing. And at you this would think point, that Eastwatch would be staffed by a maester, right? Exactly. Where's the fucking yeah. maester? I wrote that down. They would have fires there and actual medical supplies, and instead of having the mobile army surgical hospital, Coach Davos give you a little rubdown. Yeah, so so goofy. I don't know. I did like seeing the Eastwatch, the shot of Eastwatch. Um, yeah, I like it. I like the look of cool Eastwatch. Looking. Yeah, yeah, it looked cooler than the uh, than the the stupid uh, the other one. The uh, yeah, Castle Black, whatever. Yeah, there you go. Uh, right. Yeah, so this yeah, this was a lot of silliness too. Yep, it's it's once again you had your fill. I think you had your fill at this point. Most people have must must have had their fill of crazy. Um, uh, whatever. Suspension of disbelief. Okay, so back at Winterfell, Sansa sneaks into Arya's room looking for the incriminating letter and finds instead severed faces. Oh, and then really creepy, Arya's in the room with her. So she turns around, uh, very tropey bullshit. Uh, Arya's just talking very cryptically and threatening to Sansa, tells her about the game of faces, where you guess if somebody's lying, Sansa doesn't indulge her in this bullshit game. Arya then goes off about how they neither of them got to be the person that they wanted. You know, Arya wanted to go off and be a knight or like a tomboy, and Sansa wanted to be uh, the queen. Uh, they never got to be who they wanted, but guess what? Arya can be whoever the fuck she wants. All she needs is a face, and then says, "Hey, I wonder what it would be like to be be you. I all I need is your face." And she grabs the 
dragon bone uh, knife and starts heading towards Sansa and lots of bullshit tension. But it's all dispelled where she, when she hands the knife hilt first to Sansa and then leaves the room. Which you know which knife that was, right? That was the uh, that's the famous uh, yeah. cat's ball knife. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's yeah, a dragon okay. uh, Valerian steel dragon bone handle. Uh, yeah, knife that she got yeah. from Bran, who got from Littlefinger, who. Yeah, we know all about it. It's all in that so book. So it's now on the third uh, Stark at this point. Right, yeah. It's changed yeah. hands again. We got to keep... I mean, the knife is obviously important because it was in that book, that ancient book that Sam was looking at, so uh, it's going to do something. <laughs> yeah, but still, this is just a bunch of foolishness. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep falling back to, I guess, she's testing Sansa by handing her the knife in the way that she did. I mean, I just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. So, I just don't hate it. I, I hate it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, taking over these sand skanks as the uh, worst plot line. The uh, one thing I did want to point out is one of the the faces was actually Walder Frey. That's so what I, I guess, It looked like Walder yeah. Frey, the old man that she, like, pulled out last before Arya showed up. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're made to know that she can just harvest faces as she goes. She doesn't necessarily need the process or the... Uh, whatever was going on at the uh, house of black and white so yeah you would think you got to keep those in like a pickle jar or something but i guess yeah cryo vacuum yeah. i don't know something. at least yeah so. at least you know i don't know vacuum seal i don't who cares yeah all right so next john wakes up on a boat and danny is watching him sleep kind of in a creep move uh john then apologizes immediately and danny shakes her head and grabs his hand john wishes that he could take it all I back think he danny- grabs her hand just a point because he's a pickup artist Oh, okay. He's a Pua? Yep. I didn't know that. Uh, so, but Danny says uh, that she wouldn't take it back because she's happy that she's seen the threat. Danny says the dragons are her only kids that she'll ever have, which we discussed earlier. Definitely means that she'll have a baby. Danny then vows to kill the Night King. John then calls her Danny, but Danny doesn't appreciate it because the only person that has ever called her Danny was her brother, uh, Viseria, Viserys. And then John tells uh, her that instead of calling her Danny, he will call her queen because he's bending the knee. And then they do some more handholding. Yeah, so I, I I thought these two of these actors, both these actors, get shit for not being good actors. And I feel like they did a pretty good job here. I feel like this had a little bit of emotion that we've been lacking in their other scenes. Like, uh, you know, I felt like John was a little bit wooden, but, you know... Not bad, and Danny being verklempt or whatever when he apologized, I felt that emotion coming through. I don't know how'd you feel that they did. Yeah, I thought they did pretty good. I don't think they're bad actors. I mean, I don't know. It didn't really grab me. I don't. I don't. I just. I kind of don't care. Um, I'm very cold hearted, as you probably, yeah. probably know, unless it's a dragon dying. Um, so yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought they did a good job of the scene and it played well. It wasn't over the top. I mean, I, I think it was about the right tone and tenor. So yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I thought this, this was a, this, to me, this was a good scene, not great, a good scene. Uh, and once again, somebody pointed out, uh, that, uh, John agreed to bend the knee, but only after Danny said she was on board. So like, you know, you didn't have to like John, you didn't have to bend the knee. She was going to do what she wanted to do anyway. Uh, but right. I didn't care. Uh, it's fine. Like the, the him resenting to, or not wanting to bend the knee, I thought was ridiculous from the start. So, well, yeah, and, but now he's seen her power, and uh, he also—I mean—they're on board with. They realize the most important enemy is 
to the north. Yeah, so John you know, doesn't, so, John should not care. That was my thing from the beginning. If John knows yeah. that the, the biggest threat is the Night's King, he shouldn't give a fuck who's ruling. He should just say whatever, or whatever I have to do to take care of this huge threat. So Yeah, and they're definitely getting married and having a kid, no question about uh, yeah. it. They're definitely doing it. Uh, <laughs> he's definitely going to take her in every way a man can take a woman, which what is a gross... Fuck? Which is a gross... Who said that? Oh, George R. R. Martin. Uh, it was Dario talking about his coupling with Danny. It was mentioned by the bald move guys, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that from the books, and it is upsetting. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, and actually, that I was just thinking that... Uh, well, not that, but I was thinking about Dario. <laughs> yes, you were. And like how the, like the Westeros plotline has just been completely abandoned. And like, I wonder what's going on over there with all the slavers and who cares Fuck trying to run the show. Yeah. So I, I wonder if we're eventually going to see a reunion between the two continents. I uh, could see, I could see like, you know, why not? I could see Dario showing up with Miranese shoulders or something, uh, towards the end of season eight yeah. for whatever reason. I could see it. Yeah. Who cares? All right, so next we head back north, and the Whites are pulling uh, Viserion from the water. The Night's King, they actually do fully pull him from the water. The Night's King approaches Viserion and touches him, and causing his eye to open. And it's the bright blue that we see in the White Walkers, as opposed to the kind of dull white that we see on the White. So I guess he's resurrected, and he's smart like a White Walker. That's a good... Well, no, it's it's weird, because in the... Uh... In the show, the the zombies sometimes have the blue eyes. I mean, remember Gendry uh, when he points out the polar bear? He says, "Hey, do bears have blue eyes?" Oh so, yeah. So I think it's not that uncommon. Uh, and then I got to point out the same thing that everybody pointed out: How the fuck do they have four huge, long <laughs> iron chains? Like it's dumb, and they didn't need to. They could have just sent the zombies into the lake and just well, form no, like a human. I think we've established that <laughs> zombies are allergic to two of the four elements. But those the, being water and fire. Yeah. But remember there were two zombies that fell into the, remember uh Clegane hit that one into the water and yeah. he was that same zombie. Cause we recognized him was trying to pull Tormund into the water with him. Yeah. Good God. I don't know. Uh, anyway, we get, we get the undead dragon, presumably most definitely, Probably an ice dragon, um, which is one of the leaks that I heard in the bullet points uh, earlier. Hey, no leaks. Hey, I, I'm acknowledging the leaks leaks now after the fact. So WikiLeaks. Yeah, so many logistical questions. I did see somebody had the joke online. Where did they get these uh, these chains at uh, Hard Home Depot? Pretty good. Jesus, pretty Hard good. Home Depot is pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Um, yeah, that, the whole thing was silly. Um, but I, I, and I don't even need that he needed to go underneath the water. Like, I mean, the easy way to eliminate the stupidity is that he just lands on the ground and then the Night's King walks up to him and that's it. They needed I don't know this. Why you know, he's like, I'm sure if you, if this would have been a uh, uh, question in the interview at the end of the episode, it would have been like, it's kind of like Jonah coming out of the whale and <laughs> yeah. it's a second birth. You know, it's like kind of like, like being. Noah and he's got this ark. I think it was uh, John the Baptist who would put people under the water and they would be uh, come out of the water as uh, resurrected different people. Uh, I think that would be their excuse is they're trying to much make this. Much like Shakespeare's Rumpelstiltskin. Um, much, 
Yeah, I, I just think they're trying to make it more poetic and deeper than it just needs to be and deeper than most people will pick up on. So I think it's a waste. Uh, but well, yeah. I, I do think this is a good development. I mean, I do think that this uh, really ups the stakes quite a bit. And oh, yeah. I'm not talking I'm kind of about that. I'm, Knights King. Yeah. I'm talking gotcha. about the, the him them pulling him up from the water like that. It's Right. Yeah. One thing that we glossed over uh, that had the people on the Internet of Fire was the fact that uh, these guys lit, were on that rock for however many days. And with Danny's – I mean, that was the, that was the ultimate uh, jetpacking because they're right. – Presumably is a limited amount of time that these guys can survive on this rock without freezing to death. Um, so somebody on Reddit actually went through and tried to do the calculations and figured it was probably about five Oh, days. God. Instead Just of having sex? Down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ever? Um, no, it's supposedly about four to five days, I think, is what it would take if um, Gendry ran back, took a day and a half, sent the radio another day and a half. Danny flows up two days, which is uh, I, what the person – argued was about the amount of time it would take for a lake to freeze back over that had been cracked um so there's at least a reasonable explanation but the funny thing is that there's uh one of the writers named brian cogman who's i know uh, brian cogman yeah he's these uh, the, he's been described as the lore master which i guess is the person who tries to keep everything in check and up until this episode he's been on twitter and he would argue with people respond to people and explain how the timeline could still work and how it this actually does make sense if you think about it, or could it at least make sense? He deleted his Twitter account prior to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, we know that. I mean, uh, Euron, Euron's uh, whatever boat, his very distinctive boat, was in King's Landing one scene, and then it was all the way around in uh, whatever Cassidy Rock, the same episode. But so, the, but the, the, that doesn't make uh, all right. So uh, I, I don't care what you're going to say following that statement. It's already throw the timeline out, throw travel time out. If you're talking about this now, like from the fandom, you, I I feel like you haven't been paying attention. But you can just say that there were a, like a month passed between episodes. Those events don't necessarily tie to some independent measure of time, whereas this one. There's no question that they had to have been on that rock in the middle of the lake for four, five, six no, days. No, they don't. No, they showed one day, they showed one night, and then one day again. That is yes. 24 hours. So this, this, when the time is, is dependent upon another time, then it becomes problematic because you can't just say, oh, we just skipped the time between these, this thing and this happening. So this is really – they could not skip because it's dependent on other events. So I think this is this is more – problematic as far as timelines are concerned than any other one I, I i don't think so i think this show has said fuck it a long time ago and people that are still nitpicking and i'm not pointing the finger at you because you're just relating things from other folks but i i think you just have to let all that shit go or just check out like yeah i'm sorry it's gonna get worse it there is no doubt in my mind that if you're bothered by this you're gonna be even more pissed when it happens again next next week and then the week after that, and then, well, when the show comes back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, so, fuck it. Let's give our rating, and then I want to talk about the next on. Uh, so, I don't know. I feel like uh, last week I gave it a 2.5, I think. Um, or maybe a 3, I can't remember. 
because it was very, very up and down. This was the same way, but I feel like the epicness made up a lot. I was just very down in the dumps after um, John falling into the water. I still think it's... I struggle, so I'm going to say four. I want to give it a lower, but I feel like there were so many consequences, and it's an important episode uh, on very many levels, so I think you have to raise it up a little bit. I'm oscillating between a 3.5 and a 4. What are you thinking? I'm thinking a prime rib sandwich because, you know, prime rib is really good when you get a good bite of it, but you can also get like a hunk of gristle. Yeah, it's just fat. And you're just chewing the shit out of it. So it goes back, like you said, vacillating. It goes back and forth between good and bad. So really actually goes back and forth between really good and really bad. So yeah, uh, there it is. I think I wrote a headline that says this is Game of Thrones at its best and its worst. Uh, yeah, I agree. With, I think that's the, I think that's been the same for a couple episodes. Like I've said that before. Like I, I we've been conflicted with like I'm enjoying myself, but this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um. So uh, I'm going to interpret your primary rating as a 3.0. Oh, uh, actually 3.25. We don't do that, so I'm going to say 3.0, <laughs> and with my four, that comes to a 3.5. All right, I do want to acknowledge the next on, and it basically, because it's very simple, it appears like everybody is in King's Landing. I saw Danny, Cersei, Tyrion, Euron, Jamie, Theon. So I actually Thrawn. wanted to ask you about that. Is, is that, what? do you know what that location yes, is? Yes, it's the Dragon Pit. It seems obvious oh, it's the sure. Dragon Pit. I, well, I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, okay, so they mentioned the Dragon Pit earlier this uh, season. It was in the Ed Sheeran episode. Remember how they were like, I heard all the stories about the Dragon Pit, and then I couldn't go check it out. And I was like, why are they mentioning the Dragon Pit? But And real quick, guys, so the Dragon Pit is where the uh, Targaryens used to keep their dragons. It was like the big, you know, uh, <laughs> you kennel. Just, you call them the Targaryens? Like you're, it's shorting like... Targaryens. Superman. <laughs> Not Superman. Spiderman. Yeah, th- yes, exactly. All right, Spider-Man. so the t- Targaryens, T apostrophe, however else you want to spell it. Anyway, uh, they would keep their dragons in a kennel, kind of called the Dragon Pit, and it was a big dome structure, um, and that's where the dragons would hang out. And then I think it was either the uh, I can't I don't remember if it was the Maesters or the the Faith of the Seven, but basically there was a um, peasant uprising led led by one of these groups. And a bunch of people decided that dragons are evil and they need to die. And they stormed the dragon pit and they killed at least one dragon, if not two, and set the whole place on fire. And it basically crumbled and was never used again. And that seems to be what it is because the only thing I can think of it would be would be the Sept of Baelor. But that doesn't make any sense because this definitely seemed more of like a, like a, I don't know, like an arena type of thing almost. Yeah. Yeah. It was odd. Mm hmm. Okay, I'm willing to bet my uh, lunch money that it's the Dragon Pit, but we'll find out next week, I imagine. But uh, anyway, everybody seems like it's going to be there. So this whole stupid, once again, if it was stupid to go get a White Walker or a White and bring it to Cersei, it's even dumber that all these people are going to be in one place at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know what's going on with this thing. It seems crazy. It does. It does seem like if you're going to have... If you're going to have an armistice between two armies that want to kill each other, you know what you do? You send diplomats. Do you remember... Have you ever watched uh, Battlestar Galactica ever? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember Mm -hmm. the very first scene is like uh, the humans send a diplomat to this like space station uh, every year and the Cylons never show up. 
Uh, but one year the Cylons show up and it's a, uh, you know, a six model anyway, a, um, a hot woman robot, and she makes out with a guy and blows him up. Uh, anyway, that's how like people treat. They send diplomats and people talk. Uh, and I guess that's more realism. I don't. I guess the show is saying fuck. That's not realism. dramatic enough. Yeah. yeah. So, but it, it, here's the other thing: not everybody in the fucking world needs to be in this one place at one time. Um, oh shit! What if the uh, ice dragon shows up though? Yeah, that. I guess the wall's still there. I, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. No, I, I think the ice dragon could fly over, but I, I think that would be dumb. Like uh, strategically. Uh, a poor move by the Night's King to fly and leave his army so far behind. Because right. I gotta think he thinks he he knows he's vulnerable at some point. Uh, unlike Danny. Uh, anyway, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I think because they show also Euron Greyjoy's entire fleet is outside of King's Landing, but we also see the Dothraki looks like all of them and all of the Unsullied uh, are there. So I guess they all made their way. So it looks like all, not only are all the people there, but all the collective armies and forces left in Westeros have have shown up. So there's two ways this is going to go down. They're going to reach some kind of agreement and make a peace, or this whole thing's going to go south, and I'm leaning towards it going south. Yeah, that's kind of what I think too, but uh, I don't know. Uh, you would think that they would show... Like, like at least a moment of battle. They don't show anything. They just showed John doing his dumb speech. Yeah, so so I don't, I don't know because they are giving us nothing to go on. I mean, they can stretch this whole thing out. I was like, oh, this is the first fifteen episode, fifteen minutes of the first of the next uh, episode, you know, and we know that next episode is going to be an hour and a half, maybe almost close to, um, but you know, they could stretch it out longer, but. You got to think something's going to happen. Uh, the one thing you see is I think it's Theon showing up, like arriving on a shore and like falling to his knees, like he's just got his ass kicked or survived another battle, uh, which some people are speculating is a um, uh, he saw Yara die. I could see like Cersei being a bitch and and having or Euron being an asshole. So. Uh, all right, if things go south, we have some people that I think are going to be, let's call them radical agents, that are going to be thinking very personally uh, as opposed to the big picture. So Cersei could easily do it. You know, she has a baby, quote unquote, to live for, but she is very unstable. I think Euron wants war and he's unstable. I think Ari could show up. She's unstable. Um, what are your thoughts? Who do you think can fuck this up? I mean, any one of them, other than John and Jamie and Tyrion, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's all, I don't have an an, an educated guess at this point. I mean, I, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know well. either. That's why I'm yeah. saying I'm so like, because I don't, this is so far away from the books and the show can go in whatever direction it wants. I have no idea what's going to happen next week. Yeah. Although, and, it's, it's, I can't offer anything. Other than pure speculation, which is uh, kind of kind of pointless. Yeah, it's pointless, but let's do it. I'm going to go ahead and say, market dude, Clegane Bowl next week. Uh, that would be a way to go out of the season and make a lot of fans very happy. So I could certainly see that happening. I I don't I don't know why it would happen, but you have Sandor is definitely there. 
Yeah. And, and we know Gregor is definitely there. And there's this one scene in the season preview in which somebody was wielding a sword in the sunlight and it looked like King's Landing and it looked like the Hound. So if the Hound is swinging a sword in King's Landing and we know he's going to be there, you got to think Game Bowl is definitely on the table, right? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that absolutely has to happen based on the amount of fan service that's been going on. I mean, that's a top two or three, I think, fan service right. uh, request. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited, a uh, little scared, a little hungry, uh, thinking about next week. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, guys, after next week, only six episodes left in the entire series. Uh, we will probably have a season recap, but uh, we're definitely taking some time off, guys. I don't know how much time. I don't know if we'll be back before season eight starts. Uh, unknown. But you guys better get us invited to that goddamn Con of Thrones bullshit. Uh, I swear to God, <laughs> if we don't end up going next year. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, I've enjoyed myself. Uh, so for uh, Brian, this is Doug saying we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Uh...